Hello and welcome to episode 39 of the Used Gamers Podcast. I am your host for the evening. My name is Chris. With me is Jared. Hey. And not with us is Mike because he is at a conference in Memphis, hopefully having a lot of fun. But not with us. Not with us. Another man down. This is like our third or fourth man down episode. So no problem. We can do that because there's always stuff to talk about because video games are are everywhere and everything. So uh, just to get things started, Jared, what you been doing since our last episode? Yeah, you know, I've been playing some different stuff. Um, I've been spending a lot of time, though, with Neverwinter, uh, the MMO, and really just because it came free to play on PS4. And uh, I've been enjoying it a lot. It's, it's really, really fun. I think one of the things I like about it a lot is that they designed it to be soloed in large part. Right. <clears throat> they give you a companion um, to help you. And then if you want to do, like, big group quests and stuff, they're there. They're there for you to do, but you can just kind of skip them if you don't want to and uh, pretty quickly still level up. So I just I just hit lo- uh, the level 60 area. I'm level 61 now, and things really just opened up uh, quite a bit. Um, so I've been enjoying that a lot. Highly recommend that for anyone who likes MMOs at all. Or if you haven't tried one, it's pretty simple. So it'd be a really nice entry point for that too, if you're just curious about them. Yeah, no, um, Mike and I were both fooling with that as well. And I, one of the things I remember, I forget if he mentioned or you mentioned, because I think I was the last one to get in and, and give it a shot, was that mm-hmm. there were certain things about like the control scheme that were kind of weird. I'm assuming if you've played as long as you have, that you, that stuff just kind of becomes second nature, right? You just get used to that. It was like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're they're basically compensating for the controller, right? MMOs were classically designed with a computer board where you could have, you know, as many keys and hotkeys as you could conceivably use. And now they're down to just the, the you know, the, the touchpad and the, the other button. So um, <clears throat> they kind of had to streamline things a bit. And I think that did that pretty well, where basically, you know, up, down, left, right, all are keys to do something, and then you know, whatever you're playing, X, circle, triangle, square, or all something. And if you press L1, it gives you a second overlay of all those things. So you can basically have, you know, 16 powers mapped at a time. Um, and then... That's kind of uh, like the, the one and two sets that you had in, like, Dragon Age or something, right? It's yeah, like- it's it's a lot like that. Um, so, you know, because of that, I think at first that feels a little weird in an MMO. But, uh, yeah, I'm totally used to it by now. And realistically, actually, you can only equip so many powers at once anyway. So you're not using that many. They're not Really, there's like three or four you're going to use a lot. And then you have some other ones that you're going to use a lot less. That they're really your kind of superpowers that you have to really charge up anyway. You're not going to use them a ton. So, um, you know, the control scheme was, yeah, once I kind of got used to that, which didn't take that long, yeah, it feels really good. It feels really good. That's so. Cool. So, what, so what's the, I mean, is there an end game at this point or? Uh, level cap is 70. 70. And uh, that's as much, although I think that's a soft level cap because I, I saw, um, you know, I was looking up some stuff online, right? Trying to figure out like how to be efficient with the game. Uh, and um, it kind of sounds like you can kind of keep leveling anyway. You can at least keep unlocking like more of the powers and stuff because, you know, you you have to pick and choose a little bit as you move along, right? Um, you can't unlock everything at its maximum level when you hit 70, but it sounds like you still keep getting experience and can unlock some of those powers. So you quit, you know, upping your stats and, and upping your hit points and stuff, but you can still kind of do stuff. So it seems like that's a soft cap. And then, uh, but I haven't gotten end game yet. So I'm assuming end game is just, you know, it's getting legendary gear, right? And which is probably going to be doing some of the big dungeons. And, and I'm excited to try and 
get to some of that, but haven't quite tapped into that yet. So, All right, we'll but I'll get back with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, I've been playing uh, <clears throat> as much as we, you know, gave it a hard time, and I think rightfully so. I've been playing a little Pokemon Go. Pokemon. I do like it. Um, for all its flaws. Uh, it did recently have, though, what I wanted to bring up about that is uh, an update. Um, not a major update, because like, I think people are really wanting uh, Series 2 Pokemon to get put out. The, the, the numbers for people in this game, I think, are starting to drop. <clears throat> They're going to need to do something if they really want to keep people playing. But they did give an update for what's called the buddy system. So the buddy system, I think, is actually a pretty good idea, where what it does is you can pick a Pokemon to be your buddy Pokemon, and you can change this whenever you want. And what it does, it, well, it puts them next to your character, which is kind of cute, but what it actually does functionally is that based off of the rarity of the Pokemon you picked, it will give you a distance. Um, usually it's three or five kilometers, and when you go that distance, you get a candy for that Pokemon, which is... Uh, what you use to evolve them and power them up. Um, so I think that's pretty cool because even though that is going to take a long time to really get a lot of candies that way, you know, if you have something like, let's say you find a really rare, you know, I don't know, Snorlax and he's pretty powerful, but you just never find another one. Well, he's as powerful as you're ever going to get him. Well, with this now, you know, you can get candies for him. There's another way to do that. So you could power him up. Or if you got something that maybe you're just only finding a little of and you really want to upgrade, you can pick that one and you can get there. So um, <clears throat> just gives you a little more that you're accomplishing without having to do anything more than you're already doing. So it's so it essentially is, and you're made aware of what that distance is. That's not like some yeah. that in the background or something. Yeah, it'll show you. If, so once you do that, if you click on your buddy, it'll tell you what distance total and remaining actually you have to get the next candy. So if you were to swap him out, it'll remember that level of achievement that you've already had? Well, every time you get a candy, that's permanent, right? But let's say you're 1.5 out of 3. If you swap them out there, you do lose that Okay, okay. little bit of distance, but you're never going to lose the candies you get. Okay. So if, you, if you're like part way to one and you go to swap out, yeah, you'll lose that s- small amount of distance, but um, that's the only thing. So um, yeah, I think it's pretty nice. Nice little thing. Give you a little something extra, especially with, you know, as you level up in this game, the rewards start to taper off pretty pretty hard. Um, so the, the, the point of entry, you know, is easy. And then as you go, it just gets rough. So you checking out, uh, any gyms? I never got to the gyms. Yeah, I've done that a little bit. Um, you know, honestly, I came into it a little late, so mostly I can't, you know, mostly I come to gyms and there's people with oh, Pokemon that I can't even imagine how they got there. The CPs are so high. The power of these Pokemon is like 3000 and I don't, there's nothing I can do about that. Right. So I don't get to do a lot of that. Um, but every once in a while, I'll come across a gym that somebody beat up for me, and I can kind of jump in or something. Um, so uh, I don't know. My interest is tapering. Sure. So we'll see. We'll see if there are any more updates. Nice. Uh, but doing that, and then Journey was free on PlayStation yeah. Network, and I started playing Journey. I started playing Journey today, and the reason is because my my uh, my wife and my kids went out of town for a few days. And I was like, you know what? This will be perfect because I, the feeling of isolation will be great, right? I'll literally be isolated and isolated in the game. Right. And man, if, if I didn't just have people jumping in my game every five seconds, really, I got so annoyed that I just quit. I'm like, screw it. I'm going to figure out when I can be offline later, and I'm going to play it then. Because I was playing one part, and this guy jumps in and just starts doing the puzzle. 
I'm like, I didn't even get a chance to try and figure it out. That's like the whole fun of the game. So in my estimation, that, that ruins it to have someone show up on your first playthrough, which well, I think you mentioned. And you know what's, again, you know, I didn't realize is that, you know, this is, there's a little bit of a Rocket League effect here because you've suddenly got however many thousands of millions of people who've now got access to this game, you know, for quote unquote free. So your your instancing with other players is probably going to be a lot higher than it ever actually was during retail release. So I didn't think yeah. that's right. But yeah. I remember when we did talk about it before, when I played it on PS3, I did come across that article on Kotaku that was basically saying, hey, when if you're playing this for the first time, unplug your internet. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And um, now you're seeing what happens if you don't, I guess. Yeah, and I didn't like, so I haven't gotten very far into it because that really frustrated me. So I tried, I like quit out of one game and then I got back in and it was like so quickly that someone else was in my game. I said, screw it, I'll get back to it later. But it's really interesting already. I can tell I'm going to like it. Like I wouldn't be mad about this if I didn't already have a lot of interest in this game. Although I'm surprised they didn't add the tiniest little update to just say, please play in offline mode. Like you think they would... Yeah, that's not to do that to the um to Bloodborne, and I remember that being a really nice, simple. You know, I don't have to go into my system settings or anything like. I don't have to unplug my Ethernet cable. Just yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, that that seems like that would be an easy. Yeah, so, but I'm really excited to get into it. But that that just cheesed me off. So I was like, I'll play tomorrow. I don't know, but (laughs) once I can turn everything off, because that just was that was ridiculous. But um. Yeah, so I've been playing a, a kind of a lot of different stuff uh, lately, which is which is always something I like to do. It's really fun. How about you? Nice. Uh, I've been playing a couple things. So for some reason, and I don't. So I have this problem. And when before we had this podcast, I, I had a blog on OneUp.com for a while, which that website doesn't even exist anymore. Um, <laughs> and one of the things I had talked about in one of these blog entries I had done um, was that I have this problem. Well, I have like, I have several problems involving video games, but. One of the problems that I have is I am very, very suggestible whenever I hear other people getting excited about a game. And it's one thing if I hear, you know, somebody like you or Mike say like, hey, no, like this thing is like, this is, you know, this is serious. This You need to check it out. And, you know, I'll trust you guys. I understand what kind of stuff you like and know what kind of stuff I like. So if you guys recommend the game, I'm okay. But it can be anybody talking about anything. And if they get excited about it, all of a sudden I'm like, yes, I need to play the new Shin Megami Tensei game or whatever it is that they're talking about. <laughs> um, leading up to um, last month, I guess it was, I had next to no interest in playing No Man's Sky. Um, I was curious of what it was because it was still almost up until release, not really totally clear exactly what it was. So and, you know, once early reviews started coming in and, and reviewers that I listened to a lot, read a lot or listen to on podcasts a lot, um, were just kind of fascinated by this, not really saying that it was good or bad, just sort of like, in, and I just, I, I, I couldn't help it. And I was like, okay, I've got a credit on PSN. I'm going to download this and check it out. And so I, I played a lot of No Man's Sky and I can say that I'm nowhere near um, getting anywhere close to any kind of completion with that game. Um, I, I, you know, the, the whole thing was that it's, you know, 18 quintillion planets and blah, 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 blah. Right. There is there, is there actually some completion to that game? Yeah. So the, 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 the quote unquote goal of the game is to get to the center of the universe. And so the way you navigate, um, sort of on a mega level, um, you know, or 
is 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 that you you basically look at a star chart and it'll move you from system to system if your hyperdrive on your ship is working appropriately. Um, and then once you're in a system, then you're actually flying in first person mode with a ship from planet to planet, um, which is really cool. But um, so yeah, I mean there there is a, a goal, and there are, I know that there are certain items you can kind of look for during the game that if you you know if you find a certain number of them, it will affect the ending. Um, I, do, I have no idea what that is. That hasn't been spoiled in any way. <laughs> but um, there's been a, a massive backlash against this game um, of people complaining that it wasn't what they thought it was going to be, either because they weren't clear on what they thought it was going to be or because they think either Sony or um, Hello Games, the the guys who created the game, uh, were dishonest about it or just not very clear about it. I went in with very few expectations of what I thought it would be. And I actually think it's really cool. I think the early sort of um, little text messages and stuff I sent to you guys were pretty positive. Um, like, yeah. I don't really know what this is. I don't know what I'm doing, but I think I love this. Um, <laughs> yeah, except for, except for, I remember you were frustrated once because there was something you needed for your starship and you just couldn't get it. And then you yeah. just lucked on it and it, we were like, oh, well, I guess I can go now. Yeah, I mean, the basic loop of this game is just basic. Is it, it's it's a resource collection game. So if you liked like the Mako missions in the first Mass Effect, or even the um, the planetary scans that you did in Mass Effect Two, which like I did so much of that, it did have its own kind of like Zen like chill out sort of thing where you just sort of stop the action and just kind of throw these probes at a picture of a globe. That was weird. But um, I mean, <laughs> if you like that kind of stuff, this is essentially a whole game built of just nothing but that. I mean, because you have to, everything you need for crafting and for fuel and for maintenance of the temperature systems in your spacesuit, like are constantly having to be fed by resources that you're gathering from the environment, either when you're in first person mode out on your feet on a planet surface, or if you're um, out in your ship, um, you can gather resources that way too. It's, it's a constant resource gathering game. I think one of the problems is your inventory space is severely limited to mm. where you're constantly having to, you know, to dump things in order to get the things you need moment to moment. Um, I mean, something as simple as, you know, a, a bottomless chest that you have access to on a space station somewhere would completely change sort of the 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 heart of this game. And and maybe that's you know that's intentional. And but as you and as you go, you can find other ships that you can either that have been abandoned that you can just sort of steal and fix up yourself, or that you could <laughs> trade with other characters. Um, it's not a multiplayer game. That's been one of the big concerns because. They had said, you know, it's online all the time, so it would make sense that at least in a Destiny sort of way that you would kind of maybe run into other people. But the universe is so big, they said the chances of you actually doing that are like mathematically impossible. Um, people have since proved that's not true. They have found the same, <laughs> decided to go to the same coordinates and they don't see each other. So something's weird or fishy about that. But um but yeah, the issue I ran into was I got my ship where I needed to have it. I got all the parts. I got everything fixed up. I got my hyperdrive. I'm going to go to a new system. But then right before I was about to leave, I said, oh, wait, what's, ooh, there's this other ship that I found abandoned. And it has a couple more inventory slots. And I kind of like the way it looks. And oh, okay, okay. So it would be like if your Destiny ship was a little bit more useful, actually did anything. Um, <laughs> idea. it's just an aesthetic thing so i i swapped it and i said okay it, it allows you it, it reminds you whenever you go to a new ship it says hey don't forget to bring all your uh, your inventory with you because once you're gone like this is your ship now you can't you can't go back and um 
and I did that. I brought all my stuff over, but some of the core components of it, like the main drives of your ship, like that stuff you can't bring over. So you basically like salvage them. That's weird. I had progressed to a certain point in the game where I had received like this very limited, like antimatter or something like that, which was the fuel for my warp drive. That's what I needed to get out of the system. And it was a, a singular item. It was something that you only get that once to get you out of the starting system. And I lost it because I got a new ship. It was similar to what happened to people who pre-ordered the game because they got a special ship. Nobody else did. But that ship, when they went to go get their pre-order ship, they, the same thing. They lost what they needed from their old ship in order to actually make the new ship useful. So that was what people, they're stuck. And what I just basically had to do was grind out exploration of this one system, these couple planets, until I randomly happened to find the blueprint that I needed in order to craft the element which became the fuel for my new hyperdrive. I mean, it's, somebody might have loved this and- (laughs) a great achievement and and i i did do a little happy dance when i found that blueprint because i knew what it meant like i could finally get myself off the ship and i remember thinking like i am having this weird moment of like this is my video game version of the martian where i'm freaking i'm stuck on this planet there's literally nobody who can help me like you can't i can't go on a forum and say hey where's the antimatter blueprint because this is all procedurally generated mm-hmm. so nobody's looking at the planet that i'm looking at so that was a special kind of frustration but once i got over that hump um i kept going but i i i i just burned out on it pretty fast like you know not a whole heck of a lot changes um and i just see sort of this endless span in front of me of you know, people have essentially tried to sort of quote unquote speed run the game and that still takes like 25 or 30 hours. So well, I'm looking at being, I don't know what I am, eight, nine, 10 hours into it. And I'm like, am I willing to put at least twice as much time as I already have into this again to see it through? I, I made sure to download a digital copy of it because I remember thinking kind of like destiny that it's a game that I don't know, maybe if I wanted to play something, but I you know, only had 40 minutes and, didn't really know what I wanted to play. I could potentially just, you know, run that real quick, mm-hmm. find out a planet and then go, okay, I'll come back to, I mean, it could be a game that I beat in 10 years. It could be my final fantasy 13. Like it was for you. Uh, I'm never going to beat that game now, <laughs> whatever. But yeah, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't really feel the need to defend it. Although I did enjoy my time with it until I kind of burned out on it, but um, there's, they're going to be adding a bunch of new features. They've talked about base building and some other stuff. So I'll, I'll definitely want to check back in on it. I mean, free updates. So um, they're trying to do this sort of make good stuff. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, what was the other thing I was playing around with? I played a game um, on my Vita called Severed, which was pretty interesting. I remember this is from Drinkbox Studios, the guys who made Guacamelee, which I know oh. played through eventually, right? I did. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's fantastic. That is about the best like Metroidvania ripoff game I think I've ever played. Yeah, Shadow um, Complex. Okay, well that's really good too. But um, I, <laughs> at least I'm thinking of some of the like insano platforming you have to do at the end of that game. Yeah. Um, it that was like brutal. So so the feeling of accomplishment was really really high in that game. Um, yeah, Shadow Complex. That's really good. Um, but um, <laughs> th- so this is a game that they made that I think was originally supposed to be a mobile game, and then later in the development cycle it became a Vita exclusive, which is a really weird thing to make now because nobody has that system but um except you 
yeah, it's it's a touchscreen based system. The art style is very very similar to Guacamole. That sort of like Mexican Day of the Dead, like very graphic um, art style, where you're basically making your way through. I don't know what the story is. I, I didn't really pay much attention to it, but you're making your way through these first person dungeons. Um, so it's like a really old uh, role playing game, and um, when you're faced with an enemy, it's all touch based controls. So similar to I don't know, like a game like Infinity Blade on ios you played some like ninja game for a really long time where i remember seeing you swipe back and forth to fight enemies mm-hmm. you know what that was? i know you played it for a really long time. Uh, i think that one was called ninja royale although i'm actually playing a naruto shippuden game that's like that right now too um mostly just because uh, naruto's freaking awesome but uh i just started playing that a few days ago actually um so yeah yeah those are those are just pretty fun yeah, so I mean, it's just, it was a nice little thing. Like, I've been traveling a lot for work. So, having my little portable systems with me, like, that's pretty fun. Um, and then uh, the most recent thing I kind of played through, which I don't think is really sort of deserving of its own full blown review. Um, last Tuesday, the remastered editions of the Bioshock series came out for the new. Uh, um, which, I yes, mean, I have, we literally did an episode of nothing but talking about that last game. Um, so I was just super, super, super excited. Best Buy delivered me the game a day before it was supposed to come out. So that was super exciting. Um, <laughs> so just last night, I finished the playthrough of the original game. And, um, you know, for as much as I love that game, I, I had not played it since the first time I played through it like that. I had not gone back to it. Um, and that's fine. Maybe I just thought it was like, oh, this is a perfect experience. I'm, I'm done with it. Um, going back to it, it's interesting now. You know, it's only one generation removed. So it's not like this is a game from when we were kids that got mm-hmm. a massive update. Uh, but what's funny about seeing it play through on the PS4 uh, versus like the 360 where I played it before, it it looks and runs now like I remember it looking when I first played it. But I'm sure if I were to go back and open that old game disc... It would be like, oh, that's a little rough. <laughs> but I mean, that came 2007, I think. So, yeah, yeah I mean, that's eight years, nine years ago. Yeah, um, yeah this oh, that game's so great. Like, I, I, don't, I feel no need to say anything about the game itself or its story. Like, if you know anything about video games, you know why this game is important. Um, and, uh, you know, all the things that I liked about it before are, are still intact. Um, the graphical update seems really impressive to me. I'm sure if you had played the original game on a really beefy high-end PC, it probably looked a lot better than what we would have experienced. But, um, I mean, it looks great. The frame rate on the whole was really smooth. That was actually the thing that I think more than anything else made an impression on me of how smooth it ran. Um, and I will say, other than... Um, some sort of film reels that unlock director commentaries. They sort of record Jeff Keeley, self-appointed king of all video gamers. Um, <laughs> he he hosts these interviews with Ken Levine, the games director, and I think it's Sean Robertson, like one of the creative leads. And they're just sitting in a room. And it's basically probably just like a multi-hour documentary that they've chopped up into nine or ten pieces. And you find these film reels, kind of one in each level of the game. So there's nine or ten of them. Um, and then I guess when you can watch them then and there when you find them or you can do what I did and just said, Oh, cool. I've got it. And then just sort of check it off your list. And at some point I'll go back, sit down and actually like watch the whole thing at once. Um, 
the video quality on those is strangely bad. Like when you like had full motion video in like an old like PC adventure game, like Mist or something. It's weird. I don't I don't know what that's all about. But um, huh. that's interesting stuff because I, I I know that game changed a lot during the design phase, and I I'm curious to hear that information. Other than that, the game is really not any different. Um, and that's you know that's all the lumps and bruises of that game being when it, it coming out when it did. You know the fact that you don't have an aiming reticle for your weapons because you know the the button you would normally use to aim is the one that you use for your your magic powers your plasma magic um so it's just you're just following your reticle around um something i didn't remember and maybe it changed with bioshock 2 or bioshock infinite i don't remember is that when so let's say i've got my a plasmid up and i'm going to use i'm going to freeze an enemy or something but then i want to switch to my gun i have to click the weapon trigger once to switch my left hand away and bring my right hand up. And then I have to hit it again to actually start shooting the gun. So it's that got me in trouble a couple times. Cause I had to kind of learn to do this double tap. Like I'm just used to in a first person shooter. If I need to shoot something, I pull the trigger and I shoot something Right. like ready the weapon and then shoot it. Um, so that that part's a little bit weird um and then the only other issue that i ran into was there was some some technical jank with the system in a way that um it hard locked my machine twice yeah which is a little concerning um i lost a fairly significant amount of progress two times and it locked in the same place like less than a quarter of the way into the game and i remember thinking like are you kidding me? Like I, I have to do all that over again. Um, the game has, you know, auto saving, but it's not that generous and you can save, <laughs> but I, you know, I'm not, I'm not used to having to save every time in a game anymore. So um, I've lost progress a couple times until I got over that hump. Um, and apparently from what I'm hearing, the PC version of this collection is just a mess of um, hiccups and features that were actually in the original game that have somehow have been stripped out that doesn't make any sense. Huh. But uh but no, I mean on the whole it's great. I will say um now that I've finished that playthrough, I, I might leave the collection alone a little bit cuz there's some other stuff I'd like to play, but I it's I'm really excited to go play through BioShock 2 again because I think I enjoyed that game a lot more than most people did. Um particularly the Minerva's Den DLC which might just be like the most perfect video game thing ever i love it so much and it's nice because now that i have this collection on disc um i can like give it to you and say mm-hmm. hey, play this dlc instead of having to say like well okay i gotta get a copy of bioshock 2 let me see if the dlc is on sale like you know, this is just an easy way and you can just play it right from the menu um and it's a totally standalone thing so it's not like you have to progress in a certain point in the game and so um that's really cool actually i, I need to get you that because i'm curious to see it's another thing like journey that you can probably play through in three or four hours so um so yeah cool and then there's some like museums of lost concept art you can kind of walk around in not too many bells and whistles for like a criterion collection type thing but i mean it's bioshock like i'm gonna buy anything that they release (laughs) on it so it's pretty awesome stuff so um, yeah so we've been playing lots of games you and i but um to to get a little bit more in depth um you were talking about stuff that's coming up and stuff that you've been looking at now and stuff that you've been playing in the past and so you were going to kind of look at a, a a look into the current state of final fantasy which is a very man that series has been through a lot in the last 20 years and <sighs> we feel like we kind of know maybe where it's going but we're not quite sure so 
So yeah, what what what's going on with Final Fantasy? Yeah. Um so yeah, this this is a series that's kind of been all over the place, right? Um it's it, it was uh, certainly at one point, you know, considered kind of the pinnacle of all RPGs and and now it seems to be considered a beloved franchise that people are looking to get kind of back. Um and uh, they got a lot in the works. So, you know, we have some great chances here, but a lot of people are a little worried too because um they're really trying some new stuff, which I think is good. But they got two really big things that are coming up. So what's coming up next is Final Fantasy 15. Um, now, this has been delayed again till November 29th because they said they want to just make this game perfect. Uh, this game, in some manner, has been being produced for, like, I don't know, six or seven years or something. Because it was uh, initially Final Fantasy 13 Versus, and they were trying to create this world around that. Final Fantasy 13 that kind of nobody wanted. So that didn't really work for them. There are like apologists for it now. Yeah. Remember, yeah, that was almost universally like reviled at the time that it came out. I think, I don't know why, maybe just nobody knew what to expect. Yeah, well, it's that. And I just think the systems that they had set up, what was kind of the change your, your battle type, but auto battle system, just there was a, a lack of control in there. And it, it made it hard, you know, if you're in a hard battle that you lost, it made it hard to feel like, you could win that battle without just going off and just grinding your face off, right. you know, just like just leveling, leveling, leveling. It was like, all right, I guess I just got beat, you know, whereas in there was more opportunity to kind of vary stuff up with other styles they've done. So, um, but anyway, so, um, so that's coming out and they're, they're, they're doing that again where they're trying to build a universe around it, but they're doing it in a, in a really different way than last time where they're just like, we're going to make a million of these games right. where, so they, they, uh, they have, um, Final Fantasy 15, a King's Tale, which came out with, uh, if you pre-order and that's a prequel game that stars the main character's dad like 30 years ago. And it's like an old school turn-based game. Oh really? Um, that you get for like for free if you pre-order, I think. So that's kind of interesting, but that's about all I know about that. Okay. And then they have Kingsclave, which is a movie, movie right. prequel, just a little prequel to the to the 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 game, which um, apparently is kind. I have I did not watch it, okay. um, which apparently is kind of interesting. I mean, it's they, actually, get a hold of it now if you want to. Like, yeah. So they say it gives you some backstory, which is kind of cool. And and then I think there's some comic books too. And then there and then and then after all that, now we get to the actual game. There's the game too. Well, and isn't there isn't there an anime too? Like a multi part, like a five or six part. Oh yeah, that's right. Because I remember right. the first. I think you could watch the first couple ones for free. Uh, maybe the whole thing's free. I don't know. But yeah. So there's a lot. There's a lot that they're building around this. So we're, we're we'll see. I think they might be wanting to try that again to find a universe that people really love and just that kind of spend some time there instead of just make, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what they do with that. But, um, so it's an interesting game too, because it's very action style, um, where you're just going to control one character. Um, you can pick whichever person in your party you want to control. You can swap to who you want to control. So, but you're just going to one at a time and everyone else is going to auto battle. Although there are some systems for you to kind of set them up to be what you want, right? You can tell them, you know, set up like, I want you to heal me if I'm under this, so kind of like a Final Fantasy X slash Dragon Age one sort of if then statements where you can yeah okay. yeah it looks like they should have some of those set up and, and the, most of the other characters are going to kind of take care of themselves so all right the action of it looks a lot like 
Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know how I feel about that. Actually, I mean, part of me feels good about that because obviously Kingdom Hearts is fantastic, and another part of me says, "But I already have Kingdom Hearts." Right. And that's what that is. So we're gonna we're gonna see we're gonna see if they've kind of combined those worlds and they make that work. It, it looks pretty cool. The other thing that's interesting is that the magic system appears to be an item based system, more like Final Fantasy VIII. So it's not that you like learn magic spells, but you have items. I don't know. That's a little murky for me right now. Did you play either of the demos that were available? I did. I did play the um, the second demo that came out, which which that one was actually much more kiddie and um, Kingdom Hearts seeming than the actual game will be. None of that's actually in the game. Right. That that was the one where you're like a a miniature playing through like a. Or something, right? Yeah, the- it was weird. It was kind of bizarre, but Final Fantasy games are frequently bizarre, so you just kind of get used to that. Okay. Um, and the play, the play style of it was good. I feel like I'm going to have to get used to it. It seems like the, the teleportation skills are going to be really important. Like, I think you're going to really need to be moving in and out of combat a lot. They're going to expect you and, and empower you, I hope, to be really mobile, and that that's going to matter. Huh. But again, I was you were, there were no companions in that. And obviously, that's going to be a really important X factor. So, this game is up in the air. I mean, I'm really curious about it. I'm I'm thinking about, you know, use gamers, right? I'm thinking about waiting until it comes out and looking at some reviews before I pick it up. I don't think I'm going to pre-order this game. The pre-orders are not that amazing anyway. You get, like, a sword and some stuff, like, whatever. Um, Even if that other sort of pre-order game ends up being awesome there will be a way for you to get a hold of that later if you want to uh yeah they're not gonna not let me buy it right so um and same with kingclave i can always get that if i want to so because i think that does come with some of the the premium pre-orders come with actually the premium pre-order set looks pretty cool if all this stuff is good the premium pre-order set's gonna be awesome because it has a really nice uh metal frame box with some you know the art from this series has always been phenomenal um so you know it's a lot of question marks it's a lot of question marks a lot of excitement, but we're just going to see. We're going to see. Now, um, coming after that, they have said this. They said the next thing that's going to come after that is the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Now, this one is even more question marks. Um, now, they have been very clear that this is a remake, not a remaster. This is going to be very different. It is also an action-style game. Although it looks like with Final Fantasy XV, them really focusing on it being open world, this one looks like it's going to be a lot more linear. Right. So we'll see what that means. You know, I mean, I'd say in terms of crafting a story that does something different for them, but in large part, we already know this story, although they are going to expand upon it. So we'll see what that does. Now, one of the weirdest things, first off, is that this is going to be broken into three separate games. Right. And when they talked about that, people said, okay, well, what does that mean? Are they going to be short? It's like one, really one game. And they said, all right, these, each one of these games is going to be a full game. When they talked about the length, they said... 30 or 40 hour game, right? They said Final Fantasy 13 level. To, I don't know why that was their example. So well, they just won't leave that alone for some reason. <laughs> but um, uh, So a full game. I mean, we're talking 30, 50 hours. I don't know, something like that. Um, they, they haven't made clear what that means for your level and your items and everything you've got transferring. I, I, I mean, are you, you know, cause like when they did the final fantasy 13s, you kind of restarted every time. So that's a little, which is always weird, right? Same right. with like 10 right? You went from being a super powerful summoner to a 
pop star uh, and like who shot people with guns that had no power. It doesn't, it's, it's kind of weird whenever you have to do that. Right. So are, or are they going to do that though? Or are they just going to, are you just going to load your character up? I kind of hope you do that, that you keep everything, you know, that would be ideal. But then how do they balance that for, for difficulty? Right, because let's say you get the first part, you're waiting for the next one to come out. Maybe you're just gonna sit there and grind up levels just to, I don't know, why not? On the one hand, it, that doesn't make sense, but then to not allow you to carry anything over seems weird because yeah, it's not a sequel, it's just a continuation. Yeah, that's weird. right. So I I don't know what they're gonna do with that. Um, I don't. I I I think I prefer the transfer stuff because I don't want to feel like I kind of wasted my time with anything um and then the thing about that is you got to bear in mind then that these are probably all going to be 60 dollars then so we're yeah. talking about 180 bucks worth of game so that's steep right. on price now they did say they're going to greatly expand upon the story and particularly some of the characters although they did not say which characters yet so i don't know if that means they're going to include some of the pre-story stuff with zach I don't know if that means they're going to expand on maybe characters who are much more side characters or optional characters like Yuffie and Vincent. Maybe they are not optional anymore. You know, Red 13 had some really interesting story stuff that was brief. We don't know. We don't know what they're going to do with that. Um, But that is what they've said they're going to do. Now, the gameplay footage looks fantastic. Yeah. I mean, the game looks gorgeous. I think think it's the same game engine as 15, which would make sense because they've been... Um, Forever, or at least um it's not actually uh which is interesting yeah it's uh i heard them talking about this the other day 15 has its own unique engine that has never been used for anything and seven is on unreal four um mostly because that's just like easy to code with so um so they'll they'll inevitably be kind of different based off that because that was the other thing i was wondering i was like are these games going to be like play like exactly the same because they look pretty similar right. Because uh, it looks like the same thing, where you're going to control one character and the other characters around you are going to auto battle for you based off what you set up. So these games are going to have a lot in common. Um, so there's a, there's a lot kind of going on here, and we'll have to see as things kind of progress what's what's going to what's going to be. I I don't know, man. You know, like I this is this is a beloved series for me. And I think I've been in the same place as a lot of people where they they've in large part. I haven't really been very satisfied since 10. Yeah. I'd say. And uh, I, uh, I, I'm going to expect a lot. And uh, so we'll see, we'll see what they do. Obviously a long time spent creating a game doesn't mean a great game, you know, or Duke Nukem forever or whatever was terrible. And I was like 10 years in the making. So, (laughs) Um, so we'll see. So it's interesting. They're going to break it up to, I'm wondering if the first game is just going to be Midgar you know, because if people who played seven kind of remember that moment that where sense, I guess, yeah, it kind of seemed like that was going to be the whole game was going to be in Midgar, and then suddenly you got out and you're like, oh my god, look at the size of this world. You know, Gaia is enormous. This is going to be amazing. It was like a mind blowing moment. And uh, you know, I don't know if the end of the second game, spoiler alert, might be when Aerith dies. Um, you know, I don't know. That seems like a logical plot point to me. You live this time. Oh man, wouldn't that be an interesting piece of DLC? The Aerith Lives DLC. Um, you pay extra for that. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I'm excited about the idea of it. I mean, Final Fantasy VII was phenomenal. You know, no one's going to argue that. Um, and uh, and there are some of the original creators are are the main talent on this. So 
you know, that's good. I think, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see, are they going to go kind of George Lucas and Spielberg on this thing and take the things that they made that are brilliant and then slowly trying to ruin them. I don't know. Uh, but improve them. Yeah. Yeah. Quote unquote, improve them. Uh, all the stuff I wish I could have done and all the stuff we wish you never would are the same thing. That's crazy. Um, so, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm excited to see what's coming, but to be honest, if these don't, if these aren't great, not good. If these aren't great, final fantasy might be dead. Yeah. And you know, it's weird to see, you know, if you look at the progression, like leading up to this newest game, you know, uh, 13 series was what it was and there are people who really love it and but you know on the whole a pretty big departure for a lot of people and then Mm -hmm. 14 at launch was just this nightmare disaster yeah i hear it's good now now like people love that yeah yeah yeah. i I fooled around with it a little bit on ps4 it's cool i think if there was no um monthly subscription fee i would seriously take a look at trying to figure out what it is that the people who really like it um really have going for it but i think what it took for them to basically have to shut that whole thing down rebirth it as something very different and you know the the humility particularly for a japanese company to have to admit defeat that way is you know that's a pretty big deal and um to see interviews with some of the directors now to say like yeah we kind of feel like this is this is this might be our last shot, which is kind of funny because the whole reason the series is called Final Fantasy is they thought it was the last game they were going to be able to make. So they're like, right. make the best RPG ever at this 1985 or whenever it was that game. <laughs> now they're making 15 of them. Um, so, so I think they get what's riding on it, but they also seem to be willing to do some pretty weird stuff with it, which honestly could be absolutely amazing. It's just we don't know yet. So this seems to be one of those games that... Um, you hear kind of the scuttlebutt. Uh, a lot of people seem to be saying, and, and not anybody who knows things, others don't. They just say like, this might be one that you might seriously want to consider like not pre-ordering and not buying on day one. Like it'll probably be at least interesting, but I mean, it could be a garbage fire too. We just don't know. So like right. you, know, you might want to hang out for a minute and you know, maybe it'll be a, a morning of glowing 10 out of 10 reviews. I hope so. I really do hope because I mean, and there's still, you know, there's, uh, you know, a fair number of portable titles still coming out. There's some Mobius or some whatever the uh, por- the mobile title is, and then World of Final Fantasy is coming mm-hmm. out for PS4 and Vita. So that's like a little chibi cutesy game. And there was the Final Fantasy Explorers, which is basically a Monster Hunter ripoff that came. Out. So I mean, they're still very prolific, but it's, I mean, I think all that stuff is still just window dressing leading up to this. You know, you put a you put one of those Roman numerals at the end of the game and that's a whole different ball game. Right. We're saying this is where the big con- continuity keeps going, which is weird. Cause there's no real continuity in those games except for the direct sequels. But yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I have a feeling whether it's by gift card or red box, you will, it will find its way into your hands somehow relatively close. To um, yeah, it will. I think, I mean, unless reviews come out and they're just like, well, this is a heaping pile of garbage, you know, like, but I just, uh, I, when I, I don't pre-order a lot of stuff anyway, you know, like, cause usually this, there's nothing that's that enticing, but, um, yeah, we'll see. And, and, you know, you're, you're, you're right. I say that, that final fantasy might be dead after this and the, and the truth is, is it won't, but it just, it might just, it's going to inhabit those other spaces exclusively maybe where, because it, I think one of the reasons it does well in the handheld market is in, in, uh, in on phones is because that's, that's where old school RPGs live now. And yeah. obviously that's what they were good at. 
That's what they were really, really good at. Um, so, and 14 isn't going anywhere. Although I got to agree, like at some point, if they drop that subscription fee, you know, I'd pay for the game to play the MMO if it was no subscription fee, like hands right. down. I wouldn't. Uh, and, and in fact, every once in a while, I find myself checking just like maybe, maybe this happened. Um, even though I have no information to suggest that it, it is happening anytime. Oh, yeah, I mean, in my mind, I think there's even some kind of level of just a price for the game that if it were to hit that level, I'd be like, okay, buy it now. Maybe something will change in the future. Because <laughs> I don't like, it just seems like that's going to happen. Like, it's not wow. Like, it can't survive for you know, 10 years with the pay model. I don't think, I mean, people are paying it, but I don't know. Yeah. We'll see if stuff starts to drop off it, it, it'll be like this, uh, you know, star Wars MMO. Like yeah. if they see stuff start dwindling, they'll say, all right, well, the way to keep making money now is drop, drop it down to, to free and, you know, and leave a, leave a pay model where people can get stuff. If they want to keep paying, they'll get, you know, super cool stuff and let's see what happens. So, um, I'd be really interested to check that out if that happens, because obviously this is a world that, although there is technically no continuity, there is. You know, there are things that are are throughout the games that you're familiar with. You know, like you don't you don't have to ask what a phoenix down does. Okay, okay. they're in all the games. Or how you know how do I get somewhere? Ride a friggin' chocobo or take an airship? Like you know, like we know these things. So we love these things. So uh, I think aren't, there's a re-release of twelve finally coming out too. They're they're taking the international version of twelve and remastering. I don't know what systems is coming out for or when that's happening, but I know we'll it's see. side by side screenshots. So yeah, I didn't love twelve either. They need to remaster six. Is what they need to do. Yeah, that would be a big uh, job. But yeah, they don't not not remake remat just remaster that. They don't need to remake that like they're doing with seven. No one will touch. Like you ask somebody to say something bad about that game, and everybody kind of shrugs their shoulders. So. There's nothing bad to say about it. It's amazing. <laughs> it's perfect. You get halfway through the game and you think you're at the end. You lose. The world is destroyed, and you have to go from there. That's ballsy. <laughs> and it was awesome. It was super awesome. except for that weird part then when you have to like catch fish and nurse <laughs> someone back to health. That was kind of bizarre. But um, you know, but uh, you know, quirky in its same in the same way. So um, you know, we'll we'll see what's going on with this series. I there they uh. They're living in this really serious realm now, though. See, things like that are almost one of the things I think people loved about Final Fantasy. Is it was just kind of quirky and 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 often odd and 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 silly, and and they they've really wanted to be like, no, we're going to be more serious and adult, and not everybody was really into that. Yeah. So maybe they can find some ways to incorporate some of those things again, um, in some of these new games, and ways to just make it a little lighter. Um, Lightning was pretty intense, you know. <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, so there's your kind of Final Fantasy update for now. The quick one, because, yeah, there's like a million Final Fantasy things and I don't but I don't have a handheld. So, huh. well, we'll so hopefully good stuff. We'll, we'll keep an eye on it. And that'll, mm-hmm. that'll be some. Well, speaking of handhelds and speaking of good stuff, um, <laughs> that was the final thing I see. See that. See that segue. I love like, segues, man. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, one of the games that I actually uh, played through to completion recently that I felt like deserved its own kind of space in the spotlight um, is a game that, um, you know, I, I guess it's only in keeping with who we are and how we tend to do things. Um, I finally got around, got around to playing uh, Tearaway on the Vita, which has since had a re-release on PS4. So the same way that I took the release of Dead Space 3 as an excuse to play Dead Space 2, I used the release of the new Tearaway to be my excuse to play the old one. Um, <laughs> because that was a game that I had gotten on sale for like $8 at some point and 
forgotten I didn't have enough room on my memory card for it. And oh, came across it the other day. So um, I've been, like I said, traveling a lot for work. I've been on a lot of airplanes. And um, my Vita has been my sort of constant companion. So I had a nine or 10 hour flight ahead of me. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to play this game because I don't think it's that long. And I bet I can like crank through it the whole thing. So um, basic idea behind Tearaway um, is this is a game from Media Molecule who made all of the little big planet games, which I think have kind of a special place for me in my heart. That was one of the games that got me excited about. I think it might have been the first game I bought when I got a PS3. Um, which I got a lot later than you did. You were one of the first people on that on that that wagon with mm-hmm. the PS3. And um, but I mean that that was I really like those games a lot. They're just I like platformers, and they had a very unique art style and just the it, fun, just just fun, like just make me smile. And um, <laughs> this is the same studio. And man, if these guys the same way that Pixar kind of has the patent on manipulating your emotions, like this studio, like seems to have like a lock on I don't like childlike wonder or whimsy I don't know what to call it exactly but I mean the the basic idea is you're this well this is even hard kind of hard to explain so you exist in the game in two different ways um your avatar in the game is a little character named Iota that you choose to either be male or female at the beginning I don't think it has any impact on the game at all um and it's a 3d sort of puzzle platformer um, but you with a capital Y also exist in the game as this kind of deity that exists over and above the game world. So this game is basically a, a, a showcase for all of the weird features that the Vita has that other games either ignored or didn't find any need to make use of. And the Vita has some really weird, really honestly dumb stuff about it that um, I think are one of the things that held back on it. Um, but I mean, this game uses the front touch screen. It uses the back touch screen. It uses the camera. It uses the microphone. I mean, it, the way that some early DS games kind of doubled down on like all the weird stuff you could do with a DS, like turn it sideways or blow into the microphone. Um, it, it, it's all that kind of stuff. So one of the things that uh, the game will do periodically is your, I guess your kind of main goal is you're trying to, to get to the sun because the sun in the sky um, it, it has your face in it. And when I say your face, I mean the person holding the Vita system with a camera pointed at your face will show up throughout the game just on the game screen. So I'll be focused on some little challenge and I'll run on the other side of a mountain and, oh, there's my dumb face. Like, <laughs> like it, it, And then every, everybody in the game reacts to it. Um, the art Is style, that fun or creepy? Because it feels like it'd be creepy. A little creepy because it's that thing where if you think about the way that you hold a handheld when you're playing it like and if there's a camera on that thing looking up at you it's like maybe the least flattering camera angle <laughs> like the worst on them so it's like you oh i didn't know i had 17 chins and <laughs> there's actually no light in this room i'm I, like you just can see the shadows of the black rings under my eyes um so i look terrifying um but it is kind of funny to see that happen um and it just pops out throughout it so it and as the little guy is sort of running through the world, there will be these couple narrators that are just sort of also existing as kind of like godlike creatures in the background saying, you know, this this game is a story and this world is built on stories. But like we know how these stories go, like 
all the old stories have been told. Like we need something new. We need something original. You need to help us with this. Like you need to, to help us figure out a new sort of tale that helps define this world. And, and um, so the, the, the visual style of the game is it's all um, it's all like paper craft, like the way that Donkey Kong country, when we were kids, like looked like the, the characters were like, like 3d claymation models, which they totally weren't, but it looked like it at the time. Like mm-hmm. that game was very visually striking. Um, I like it. Some people claim it was garbage, but like looking back on it now, but I thought they were neat. Um, this game looks like everything in the world is made out of actual paper. Um, and that comes into play in a couple different ways. I mean, you're constantly interacting with the world by using the touch screen on the front. So, you know, if there's a wall that's preventing you from, uh, from progressing through the game, you can sort of grab a couple seams on the wall with your thumbs and rip it apart and you've gotten through the barrier and you can progress through the world. Um, You'll also be running, you might be running from some enemies that are chasing you around and and their little boxes made of paper too, just kind of like you are. You're actually an envelope that's folded open and that's, that's what your character's made out of. And um, (laughs) yeah, which makes as much sense as what I hearing myself talk (laughs) sounds nuts, but um but you know, you might be getting chased around by this little mob of enemies and um, you run out onto a sort of a, a flat plane that looks like it could be like, you know, an ice rink or something. And you can use the back touchpad. If you tap it with your fingertips, you will see representations of your actual fingers rip up through the ground, like a freaking tremors worm and just like bash the bad guys from underneath. And it's, it's really bizarre to be physically holding this handheld system and then seeing a digital representation of your hands and your digits behind you, which it's only using like where it's touching to, to get that representation, but it's close enough to where your hands actually are that it's like you're physically ripping through the screen from behind. It's really weird. Like it's just a sen- sort of a sensation I've never seen replicated in any other way. Um, and it, it'll do things where it's, you know, There'll be an an enemy that's blocking a mountain, a big Yeti who's scaring everybody away. So you have to scare him back. So they ask you to like, you know, give your most terrifying yell and you have to actually yell at the system and it records you and that, that will come back to haunt you in some pretty weird ways. So if you decided to like, you know, yell a profanity into that, that would be part of the game now. Like that actually would happen. And I might have actually done that. Uh, but, uh, and that comes back to haunt you too. But, um, so, and you know, it'll ask you to take a picture of something like something in the real world and you, okay, I'll take the Vita camera, take a picture of it. And then you'll see posters of that thing plastered all over the game. So it's, it's really cool. I mean, some of this stuff has been in other games before. It's not like revolutionary, but the way that it ties all that stuff together and actually, you know, like sticks with it. Like it's consistently asking you to kind of do this like weird fourth wall breaking, like, I need you, yeah, you, the one that the camera's looking at to do this so that you down there in the valley running around can do this. So it's 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 trippy that way. Like and and visually it looks awesome. Uh, the platforming is really cool. At some point later in the game you you gain a, an ability to roll into a ball. So there's like nice memories of like Metroid Prime there and I really <laughs> enjoyed that. Um 
but it is just an absolute freaking joy to play. Like it's one of those things that like I talked about playing through the puppeteer, um, which if you haven't played that, you should check it out. It was free on PS3. You may have it for free. Um, just, just have this dumb grin on my face the whole time. And, um, and from what I understand, as much as that game is very, very, very heavily dependent on the system that it's on. Um, I, I hear the re-release on PS4 is, is just as good in different ways. Like they've, come up with different solutions for some of those same problems since you know there's tilt sensitivity on the controller and there is a touchpad so i mean there's some of that carries over but i mean it's you know you'll run into an enemy and it says you know oh why is this little squirrel sad well he used to be the king but he lost his crown so like he's he's depressed it's like okay we can fix that it'll pull out of the game you'll be taken to a realistic looking version of an artist's table and you'll have all this paper laid out on the table and it'll say, make the squirrel a, a crown. And you're like, okay. So you, you use your finger to drag a piece of paper down onto the desk. And then it says, do you want to draw on it? Do you want to cut it? And I'm like, I want to draw on it. And I use my finger to draw a really crappy version of what I think a crown <laughs> looks like. And then it goes, okay. And then it'll cut that out. And I'll say, do you want to add anything else? Okay, well, I'll drag other pieces of paper, different colors, make some jewels for him and I'll put that together and go, okay, well, are you happy with this? Uh, yeah, I guess so. All right, save it. And then that item that you just created goes into the game world and you you put the little crown on his head. So I was like, this is cool. Like, I, this is really fun. And, um, and then uh, you'll occasionally come up with uh, these items that don't, they're occupying space in the world, but they're just blank. You don't see any features. There's no uh, textures to them. And so you have a camera, the, the, the little guy you in the game has a camera and he can take pictures of things that you use just by moving the system around in 3d. And if you take a picture of those items, they fill themselves in and they go, okay, I have depth. Now I have color, I have definition, but then the game unlocks um, in your menu screen actual instructions on how to craft that item in the real world using a pattern that you can download from their website because you unlocked it in the game. So these things that are running around in the world, you can actually build a 3D model of in real life. Like I've never seen anything that has this kind of interaction between like the real world and the game world uh, in very like simple, very discreet little ways, the way that people are talking about, you know, really good VR experiences, like kind of have mm-hmm. that same sort of thing. But this is just the silly little handheld game for this like incredibly unpopular system. So um, I can keep my eye out on, I, I, I would definitely play through it again. I, I would like to see what the PS4 game is all about. And I think it pretty regularly drops into the sub $20 range. Um but uh, yeah, I mean, highly recommended. If you if you have a Vita, there's zero excuse to not own it because it is basically like it is the Wii Sports of that system. Like the, this, this shows you everything this could be, and unfortunately, probably never will be again because it's effectively dead. But <laughs> um, but if you've got a PS4, like 40 million of us do, then um, yeah, I mean, maybe that new one is worth checking out. I think some of the games that have been most successful on that system like that um like gravity rush um are getting re-releases on ps4 so that's cool because there were some really great vita games that almost literally nobody played because (laughs) that system kind of failed especially in the united states so yeah i don't know tearaway i did not expect that to be as good as it was i just thought it was something i was going to kill some time with but yeah that's worth checking out yeah i'm glad glad that that we have this environment where 
you know, these yeah, kind of games are getting made. made. You know, yeah. I mean, it, that, that it's anything. Yeah, exactly. That in the same year you've got, you know, Witcher 3 and Her Story and Undertale and, you know, a, a new Gears of War game. Like just, yeah, that all of mm-hmm. this is equally legitimate all of it is easy to get and like you said before that you're essentially operating on an almost completely digital software library on especially on like ps4 now like yeah and that's that's uh that's gonna be the way it's going anyway so um (laughs) i love my discs and i'll be sad when they're gone yeah, I know. It, it's funny because even the ones like I, I look at the little collection I've amassed for PS4 and I really it's a very handsome collection. Like it's not big, but I, what's there like I really like a lot. But I, there are some that I'm like, man, you know, if I see that that's on sale, like I may just get it digitally because it's it's worth it. You know, we kind of joked again about the like, you know, early on, you know, like, oh, is it really that much different than having to get up and change the disc? Yeah, freaking yeah, it is. Like, It, it is, yeah. It's so nice to be able to swap in and out. And that new system is so much faster and snappier than the PS3 was that it's so easy to just navigate in and out of that stuff. Like, I absolutely love it. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. It'll be worth losing my discs for it eventually once, you know, hard drives catch up to this, which it sounds like they're going to soon. But, uh yeah, that that world's going to be pretty beautiful actually. It's just weird. It's just it's just weird to me to think about that that I'm not going to go through and sift through looking at my games going, "Oh yeah, let's play this" or you know, I'm going to take this over to Chris when I'm done with it cuz he's going to love this game. Like they need they need to make some kind of digital owning system. I feel like PS4 made promises of that when they were coming out and I don't think they ever really capitalized on that. And if that can become a thing, then I don't need mm, this spy, you know, like yeah, if there's one of the things for us to kind of explore, we've talked about this a couple times is we've, I don't think we've really done a lot with like the share play system. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've done anything with it, honestly. So, I mean like something like, so I, I maybe something like Minerva's den with this Bioshock re-release, like if we can figure out how that works, then if I'm not using my system, you're off one day. You, you know, if I can give you access to it and you just play through that whole thing, it, it's possible, but I guess it's not, it's not super intuitive, at least, you know, to where it's like, here, just play my games. I mean, there's still some hoops to jump through. Yeah. It's not perfect, but I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the dream, right? I mean, that's, that's what we want to be able to pull off and you know, what would make playing those digital games even better than what we're doing now. Hmm. What if there was a slightly better version of the PlayStation four? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Like some kind of pro version. I, I mean, I, it, it, what we've got is amateur hour at this. Point. Obviously. <laughs> Just like, yeah. And, and I mean, that's, that's the other weird part of this future that we're kind of moving into. And, and I guess that's kind of, the, the topic that we're going to sort of wrap up on tonight is um, there's a new PlayStation 4 coming out. Well, the, okay, let's scratch that. There's a couple of new PlayStation right that have come out that are coming in recently. So um, I don't think we've really mentioned anything about this strange new hardware feature on this show yet, have mm-hmm. we? Yeah. No, no, we haven't talked about it yet. Yeah, so... Essentially, what we're talking about right now, for anybody who is not following this sort of stuff, is that um, we have moved into a very strange era where um, it's looking like the major console manufacturers, Microsoft and Sony, um, are basically going to start iterating on their consoles not dissimilarly from the way that um, companies like Apple and Samsung do with cell phones. 
Um, so uh, recently, the Xbox had a refreshed version of its system come out called the Xbox S, Xbox One S, um, that was uh, 30, no, what is it, 40% smaller. Mm-hmm. Uh, the controller was slightly different. Um, and the the price was a little bit lower. I, I don't think there was really anything else that was different about it. And I think most of the models had a slightly bigger hard drive than the standard base model. Um, but um, and and that makes sense. That's not weird at all. I mean, you can go back to uh, God. You can go back to the NES. There was even a, a second version of top loader version of that. So I mean, re- physical refreshes of of consoles are not dissimilar. I think you and I still have our original 360s, right? Yours never crapped out on you, right? Um, well, yes and no. It didn't crap out on me until I was basically done with it, and now it's a little rough. So I have I basically put it away because yeah. it was starting to go. Yeah. It felt like it was starting to just run slow and rough. But yeah, I, I had one PS3, which actually was one of the original, you know, big huge brick models and i had one 360 which was a refurb and those lasted me through my whole uh that whole generation yeah and i've still got my white 360 elite and i know mike got a a refresh version because his red ring has died Mm -hmm. the ps3 i have is the second ps3 it was released so the the slim and then there was an even slimmer one that came out after that i mean (laughs) i know eventually they came out with a ps2 that was like the size of a tiny paperback novel i mean that that thing was unbelievably small Mm -hmm. Um, and on eBay, not that long ago, I picked up a, a PS1, which was this like adorable little miniature. Ver- it's basically the size of a game disc, like tiny, tiny little PlayStation. So, um, so that's not weird that Microsoft did that. But then um, PlayStation is doing something similar, where they have a couple of new models of the PS4, which had been rumored and leaked forever. So none of this stuff was a surprise in any way. But um, just was a week or two ago, um, the PS4 Slim was released which um, it looks in a way not that different than the way that our systems look, Um, but it's very small. (laughs) I mean, it's not that much bigger than the controller. Um, So, uh, you know, same thing, cheaper. Uh, Apparently it runs smoother, uh, cooler, quieter, you know, all the things that you would want a new version of these things to run. So I know, I don't know about you, but every now and again, when I'm running a disc-based game that I've been playing for a while on the PS4, if I stop everything else, like that thing can sound like a jet engine, like for a little. Oh while. yeah. That's uh that may be like the only beef I have with this system is that it's incredibly loud. Yeah. Um, and not even if I, I feel like all the time that thing's just worrying. I, I, I don't even notice it anymore until sometimes I turn it off and I'm like, Oh, it's so quiet now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've actually gotten just so used to it being loud at this point. So but, uh, yeah. So that makes sense. You know, the slim models of these consoles coming out, no big deal. Well, there's also this sort of half-step model that the companies are following as well. So at E3 this last year, um, Sony, or not sorry, Microsoft confirmed what had been kind of rumored that they were looking into building what is essentially an upgraded model of the Xbox One. We're not, this is not an Xbox Two or an right. Xbox One Two or whatever they want to call this, whatever their new thing would be. But, you know, essentially something that is just a new version of this hardware that will carry the same branding, but, um, but be a much more powerful system. Um, and they talked about all kinds of weird facts and figures that don't mean anything like teraflops and, you know, Computer scientists know what that stuff means, but right, it doesn't. Um, 
but but I mean the idea of being you know Sony went into this generation you know firmly as the leader in the PS4 Xbox One generation, um, and probably due in large part to the fact that um, they talked about how you know no matter how you slice it, like this system is just more powerful. Like sorry guys, and that that doesn't mean that that's a guarantee. The PS3 was a more powerful system than the 360, but it wasn't until the very 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 end of its lifespan that it started basically becoming like comparable. Um, in sales and things like that to the 360, but um, but this this new Xbox thing is supposed to be just this absolute beast um, that they're calling Project Scorpio that's supposed to release next year. Um, Sony has a similar plan too. So um, there was a, a system rumored to be called the Neo, um, which was going to have these upgraded specs and it was going to have 4K video and HDR lighting capabilities and you know uh, in, allow for improved frame rates and things like that. Um, all kinds of rumors swirling around that. And then they recently had a conference where they basically said, yeah, this is a thing that's going to happen. So the model is called the Xbox, sorry, the PlayStation 4 Pro um, and is essentially, well, what do you understand to be the differences with this? Because this is kind of fun because uh, like hearing different people talk about it, it seems like different details kind of stand out for them. Yeah, well, I mean, to be honest, it's not that different. It's just a little more powerful. So, yeah, faster CPU, faster GPU, right? Um, supposedly 4K capabilities, but apparently games aren't coming out in yeah, that. Actually making 4K games. So Yeah, no one makes that yet. So that's, I mean, I guess that's forward looking, you know, um, for people to scale some stuff to 4K that exists. But yeah, so it'll make your games look a little, you know, better um, and better frame rates. And But the, the important take home to me is that, um, you, you, this is not a new generation. So PS4 games and PS4 Pro games are not different games. They are the same game. And if you have a PS4 Pro and I have a PS4 and we go online, we still play our games, which are the same games, together right. if we're playing online. So ultimately, you know, um, if you are an early adopter, like we clearly are not... <laughs> on the show and that's important to you that you're getting that most upgraded version um which is which is just 399 so it's not like it's more expensive what i paid for my ps4 yeah right exactly um then great i mean i think there there's a group of people that this is going to service we're going to be happy about this and for people who are just not interested like i'm really not i i mean even if i was interested i don't have 400 dollars to drop on an upgraded version of the same system um then that's fine. It's not going to affect me. Now, if it hits a point, which they're saying it won't, if it hits a point where suddenly some games are coming out that they're like, oh, yeah, these are just pro games, well, th- then we're going to start having a problem, right? Um, but they're saying that that's not going to be a thing. They're just, they're they're telling game developers, like, basically, like, look, if you're making games for us, you, you got to drop them to where they can be played in 4K or not. Yeah, and that and that that's and that's kind of the thing I'm most curious to see how it kind of shakes out because the the closest thing to this sort of situation that I think has existed already is the fact that Nintendo not that long ago released a new version of the 3DS which they gave the fascinating title of the new 3DS um <laughs> which, no confusion at all there but same thing saying like hey this thing is uh yeah faster CPU uh better memory you know less buffering uh it's stronger they added a a basically a right thumbstick which is great because it needed one of those yeah but but same thing like no 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 games that well no they actually do have some games that 
can only be played on that. But, you know, on the whole, not an issue. But then um, I think it was the Wii U, the Hyrule Warriors, that kind of like Musou Dynasty Warriors looking Zelda game Mm -hmm. um, that came out. They released a version for the 3DS as well and uh, ran great on the new 3DS, but apparently just runs like garbage on the standard 3DS. So that's the thing I'm curious to see. So like what happens next year or you know, God forbid if it ends up being 2018 for some reason, if, if Mass Effect Andromeda comes out and it runs great on the PS4 Pro and it runs on the PS4, but at like 18 frames a second. And mm-hmm. then they can kind of go, well, no, I mean, it runs. that We always said it would run. But, but if there's this gulf in performance, which again, like you said, they're, they're saying, no, 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 it's, it's not going to be that. It's not about that. Like you're not going to get left out in the cold, but I mean, at some point, then what's the point of having a more powerful system to work with? Like it's, I, I guess it becomes like a PC setting sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to play Tomb Raider. You played Tomb Raider, but now I'm going to play Tomb Raider and look at the way her hair flows and look at all the extra lighting I have. And there's more grass on the ground. So, I mean, I, I guess maybe it ends up, hopefully it ends up being stuff like that and not about, like you said, like, I'm sorry, the pro only, like you're not, you don't get to play this game because I get, I think that's the idea now. It's like every system from now on and, you know, they could change their mind about this. Maybe there is a PS five in the future somewhere, but like even just that these current systems would exist. Like there was a time three or four years ago when there would have been some people saying, you know what, this might not happen. Like, I mean, the console market has kind of, leveled out like the economy kind of went to hell during this generation and <laughs> spending as much money and and i i personally think it was awesome that that generation lasted like eight years instead of four or five like normal because we got things like the last of us out of it and we've always talked on this show about just the unbelievable things that 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 these developers can squeeze out of these machines at the end of their life you know stuff like Resident Evil 4 on the GameCube and God of War 2 on the PS2 that were just like so far beyond what the early system was capable of. Um, but uh, I don't, it's weird because I don't know what's going to happen. Like we're not in a position where every year we're going to buy a new $400 system. I mean, I, I know there are people who every year actually pay the retail cost for a new cell phone that's six or seven hundred dollars but i mean we humans don't do that and and we don't (laughs) we don't upgrade our phones every year either i mean we basically get to a point where we're like well this can't function anymore so i guess i need to look at something else um so i there's that part of it that i don't like i mean i like the idea that the reason i like to play games on a console is not only because i like to sit on my couch but i like to know that all I have to do is buy a game and it works. Like I don't have to get new drivers and a new graphics card and a new, but, but then even that you've got games like Assassin's Creed unity that, you know, yeah, that game quote unquote worked for some people who bought it when it was new, but not for a lot of people. So like games aren't even kind of done now when they come out, like the idea that we would have bought a Nintendo cartridge that like, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it crashes predictably three quarters of the way through. Like, they're not going to patch that. Like, that's just, that's your game. Sorry, you paid money for this thing. So it's weird that things are, you know, it could be almost unplayable when it comes out. And they'll still sell it to you and just say, like, oh, yeah, we'll fix that. We'll fix that later. Like, it's it's just strange. So 
and the, and and I guess the bigger issue with this this PlayStation hardware too is that unless you're somebody who has a 4K TV that's HDR capable, like I I see no point in this. Like mm-hmm. what like. And do I even have the ability with my human brain and my regular eyeballs to be able to discern the difference between well, one? People saying they can see it. Yeah. You and, know, when they put them next to each other. But how do you demonstrate that not live? You know, like I'm looking at the two pictures on my TV. Yeah, no, that, I'm yeah. Not that stuff. So, yeah. yeah, I'm curious to see what that actually. But again, at that, at that point, it's just. It, it's hardware porn for us because it's like, well, I don't have the TV that lets me see that stuff. So I could buy this new thing and then do, I don't know what I think. Yeah. Maybe, you know, cause I, I certainly don't plan on buying a new TV until this one explodes. So, I mean, mm-hmm. and then at that point is our, is an HDR 4k TV even going to be, hopefully, I mean, by that time it'll be affordable and that'll make sense. But you know, the 3d TVs were supposed to be what we all owned by now, you know, five years ago. And that, we know how that went. So <laughs> yeah, but that's just a yeah, but that's just technology that no one wanted is the problem. 4K seems to, it's just a better version. People are seeming so, more into that. With all this stuff, is there any part of this that you look forward to or that you think is interesting? I feel like I'm being really negative about it, but maybe I mean maybe you have a different perspective on either of the two companies' plans for the future and what you think might be exciting about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't feel negatively about it because I'm really actually I'm not that worried. Um, I mean, we saw it. We saw developers do what was much more difficult in code games for PS3 and four, and for Xbox 360 and Xbox One for for a while, and they didn't have challenges with that. And I think that's a lot harder than what they're asking them to do now. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not too worried about that. I'm, I'm figuring once it's going to be time for them to move on to a new system, they'll just do that. And that's when that'll happen. So I think that's going to be okay. I do think they'll be able to keep that promise. Um, and I think this just looks confusing to us because we're not the kind of people who do these things, you know? Like, I, I'm never going to be waiting out line for the next new hot phone that's going to come out. Right. I'm not going to be camping out overnight, you know? Like, I'm going to... We, we're, we're just not... We're just not... We're not the audience for this. And I, so I think there will be an audience for these things. I think there are going to be people who have the liquid income and are just like, heck yeah, I want something that's going to look better. Why not? And, and and people are going to buy it, and, and and there may also be people who are who are thinking like, you know what, I, I, I've been waiting to get one of these systems, and and now this looks awesome. That's enough for me. So you know, I I, I get what they're doing. I, I think if I look at the market, it makes sense. It's just not targeting us. It's not targeting us. And then and I think the other thing that this might help with a lot is an, is something else that I think we're going to talk about in the future, uh, in a future episode, maybe the next one that I don't think appeals to us that much either, which is I think p- part of this is setting up the power to really function VR technology. Now, they're saying that the current systems will be able to do the VR stuff that they're going to be putting out, but I think they want a little more power to push those. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense because even though, you know, like the PSVR, yes, that's what it's called, right? Yeah, PSVR. Yeah, it's- I think so be out in like less than a month that's crazy to think about um is um yeah i mean that's just a piece of hardware that'll be ready to work with the machines we already own i mean if you look into a lot of the um a lot of the user feedback that's come out of uh, the oculus rift and the vive actually being things that are in the real world that you can buy now i mean the the machines that are required to actually keep these things running at a frame rate that doesn't make you throw up when you're wearing the headset these things are just monstrous machines. Like the absolute top of the line graphics cards are like 
basically the minimum spec to keep these mm-hmm. things running. And that's why people like you and I are never going to get to do room scale Vive VR because we're not going to spend $2,800 on a PC and another $800 on that headset. It just, that doesn't make any sense at all to us. And the people who are doing that are having some pretty insane experiences that, but I mean, I am interested to see what that will do because I think Sony has this opportunity to, they're going to be the first ones who are kind of having a quote unquote reasonable entry in this market where you've got 40 plus million people who already have the machine you need, like that cost is taken care of. And it's just, are you willing to pay that amount of money again for this thing that, you know, many people are saying is like, no, you don't understand. I know you played Dactyl Nightmare in the arcade in the 90s. This is is life changing, but I I mean, I know we're not sold on it, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll be talking about that more in detail soon, but it's, I've got to believe that that has to be a part of it is these console manufacturers going and and you know you hear these interviews with um developers and stuff and even though as this, this the machines become more complicated and more difficult to develop for you know games are still all made on PC like no matter what they eventually come out on and it sounds like it, pretty much universally across the board like one of the things that everybody will chant is like I I wish I had more RAM I wish I had more power I wish I had more a better frame rate like the mm-hmm want those tools so anything that pushes in that direction i guess it's it's just going to end up being a better experience for us but um yeah it's weird just to think about like you know i I was half expecting with the neo and with uh the scorpio next year and we don't know a lot about that so that this could still pan out weird but what if these systems had come out and they had just said here's our new thing what's it called this is the playstation like this new machine is the Xbox. What? What? No. This. This is it. This is forever what our system will be called, and there will just be different versions of it. Like I can see some logic in that. So that if you went to the store, unless it was a time of overlap, you just say, "I want an Xbox," and they just say, "Okay, this is the 2016 Xbox." Like that's weird, but like I don't know. I guess that could work. But but, but I I do kind of like the idea that like of like the idea of sort of a permanent generation where, you know, all games going forward will continue to run on whatever system I have. That's super appealing because my biggest disappointment with the pro announcement was I was really hoping in my dumb heart of hearts that they would find some solution to backwards compatibility. Mm. I was so jealous when Microsoft like cracked that nut and um and honestly if i were to buy an xbox tomorrow it would mainly be so i could play my 360 games like because apparently it works really really well and that's awesome and i'm jealous um but (laughs) i also have a ps3 that's fine so there's no reason why i can't just play those games um but you know maybe if i just had one box sitting next to the tv that would be better than the five that i have right now or whatever it is so um yeah for our wives sake it'll declutter the living room but I don't know. It'll be interesting. I mean, I, I can't see that the three of us will get anywhere near these things anytime in the, in the near future. Given the, no, I mean, unless and the other responsibilities we have in our life. Yeah. Unless somehow my PS4 dies. Like, oh, sure. and, and then that, yeah, sure. I'll replace it with the upgrader unit. Yeah, but because then at that point, you're only looking at a question of a hundred dollars. So if you, if you accept that you're already in for at least 300, then you can subtract that out of the equation and go, okay, well, and honestly, right now, like, I mean, for me, that that slim, it, super appealing 
Like, because I said, like, the biggest problem I have right now, I don't care how much space it takes up. I don't look under my entertainment cabinet. But the idea of something that runs on less power and runs cooler and runs quieter, like, that I like. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And if that was just – and I think that's the idea. I think the Slim just replaces what we own. Like, there, there's not going to be three models going forward. It's just the big boy and the little boy. So that that's cool. But, yeah, I mean, it'll be fun to to finally get our hands on it on a – really crazy demo ten thousand dollar television and say, <laughs> wow okay then, and then maybe we'll be singing a different tune <laughs> we'll be yeah, like we could try it out in best buy maybe that'll be our best chance to yeah so we'll we'll have to do like a field trip episode at some point where we go like play with vr headsets and play with hcr tvs and stuff like that mm-hmm. see what our impressions are what, what would life be like if we were super wealthy maybe if we're super wealthy that's yeah. right um I'm, I'm looking forward to the scorpio announcement though um <laughs> for my own amusement because i have this sneaking suspicion that they're basically just sneaking out the original xbox one concept and they're gonna resell that again yeah maybe the thing that they changed everything for and some people were mad and some people weren't and all that fiasco like i really think the scorpio is not only going to be stronger i think it's going to be a lot more like the original um kind of sale pitch whatever you want to call it they made for Xbox One. I think you're going to see some of those features uh, on that machine. And I think that'll be interesting to see how people respond to it now. Where initially they kind of were like, whoa, I don't know. And now I think people might be like, yeah, sure. Well, and I think that, I think you're right. I think that completely can work because some of that stuff, you know, leading into some of our discussions that we had about our sort of disappointments with the state of Microsoft, not that, you know, we've been hating on that at all. I mean, we, love their 360s mm-hmm. um, but um yeah the, too soon maybe with some of that you know, very very poorly explained definitely i mean big messaging problem so now like you said now that we've had a couple years of this other thing and you know the, and now that they've got this concept of this universal media platform where you can kind of buy a game and play it anywhere i mean we're we're entering into an end of year where you and mike can both buy and play gears Four, and you don't even own an xbox because you can play it on your pcs like that's kind of insane mm-hmm. so that's exciting that's really cool because i mean we'll you'll have the opportunity now to to play some of those games you know just because the idea is you know buy it in one place and you have it in both so that's that's cool that's something sony can't do so i mean yeah I, it, it'll continue to be fun and who you know two weeks from now nintendo could end up announcing what the, whatever the heck they're working on and that could be as revolutionary as everything they always do so yeah it's not, that sounds pretty interesting like it's actually just gonna be a handheld that you can walk up to your tv though and it just hybrid thing yeah that's sounds awesome. uh, they just keep doing their own thing and that's that's cool <laughs> Mario's going to be on the iPhone now. We've this is the seventh level of hell. Like the Armageddon's on its way, I guess. <laughs> so, <laughs> he'll still be racing Sonic in the Olympics. So just like he should be. It's not like he should be yeah, exactly because he can totally hang with that. <laughs> that the fat plumber and the thing built for speed. So, no problem at all. Just like real hedgehogs are also built for speed. All of it makes sense. <laughs> all of it makes sense. That's what we know. <laughs> Seems like as good a point as any to kind of wrap this episode up on. This is going to be such an incoherent mess for Mike to listen to. We miss you, Mike. Come back I know. Episode. We need, oh. we need, we need the three people. It's, a, it's good. Well, and we'll definitely have to do that because our next episode will be our fortieth episode. That's right. Cool. So 
yay for us. And, you know, we've been doing this thing on our own time and having fun with it and we're making it work. So that's awesome. So again, if you have any interest at all in hanging out with us or interacting with us, you can definitely do so via Twitter, via Facebook, via all those fun things. Um, hit us up at Mike, Chris, or Jared at the com. I think those email addresses still work. I'm not sure about that, actually. Um, uh, I think, no, didn't we, didn't we ditch the website because we, we didn't need it? got rid of everything connected to the website. That was because, yeah, honestly, Facebook and Twitter, that's, that's all you need. Yeah. Subscribe on iTunes, on Google Play, on all those fun things. <laughs> SoundCloud, too. I don't know how that works, but I'll imagine. <laughs> I pay somebody else to figure out how all this <laughs> So I don't have to think about it. And if you have feedback for us, we want to know how this episode sounded because Jared and I are like kids in a candy store. Mm-hmm. A new system of recording, which may completely revolutionize the way we record the show and could mean that we uh, have episodes way more frequently than we ever have before. Yeah, we could post them a lot faster. Post them a lot faster, too. No more seven week delays for me. Right. Done. So we're talking about things happening next week and they happened five weeks ago. Exactly. So. <laughs> week when we do our e3 2016 episode uh, <laughs> but all right on that note it's just the two of us so signing off this is chris i'm jared thank you for listening and we will catch y'all later see you soon guys i don't want to touch this soda i don't want to touch the pen everything the is pen bad. will ruin it obviously <laughs> okay it's funny. It won't matter what we talk about. It'll just come through that we're so excited. <laughs> it's working. It only took us 40 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Three years and 40 episodes. That's it. Hey, we, we got there. We made it. We've arrived, Chris. It just happened. <laughs>